Card presents Back Issue Bloodpath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Petula Neal. I'm not a butcher. I'm not a kid. Nor yet a foreign skipper. But I'm your own true loving friend. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Welcome to Back Issue Bloodpath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Petula Neal. And no, we are not just doing a repeat of last week's episode. We're dealing with another comic that references Jack the Ripper. The kind of forgotten gem of the mid-90s, in my opinion, Wolverine Gambit Victims. Came out in 1995, and it is a pre-long Halloween Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. This was during their short period over at Marvel that a lot of people don't even know about. They spent some time over at Marvel. They did a couple of things. Like, yes, they would come back later to do the color series of Daredevil Yellow and Spider-Man Blue and Hulk Gray, Captain America White, which I always thought later, and I was like, maybe not the greatest name, <laughs> Captain America White. I'm like, sounds like it's like, oh, are they doing the Captain America from uh, Nick Spencer's run where he becomes a Nazi? <laughs> no, no, no. Nick Hydra. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, now this is from the shorter period where they did some stuff for the the X-Men editorial. This was kind of their big center. This was their last story before they went to DC to do Batman the Long Halloween. And a lot of people don't even realize that this happened. But yeah, taking two of the biggest X-Men characters of the time and uh, giving them a team-up book. Now, Petula, had you ever gotten a chance to check out this book before? Yeah, I think... When we did one of our artists. Oh, like so like Tim Sale? Yeah. I don't even know if I talked about it when we did this one, but yeah, well, I could see in my my history on Unlimited that I'd read this before. Okay. So, yeah, it was probably for that. I read it back when it came out in 95. It was prestige format books for every issue. So it was like, ooh, extra pages. This is exciting. Ooh, glossy cover. Let me check it out, sort of thing. Starts with Gambit heading to uh, heading. To, it's to London, right? I yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it starts with uh, a a woman getting murdered. Yes. Comics love murdering women. Like, <laughs> listener, I mean, you know, like, fridging wouldn't be a term. I'm not just like, yeah, 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 feminizing over this. But yes, it. I believe it starts with somebody looking terrified and then getting their throat slashed. But yes, then, yeah, yes, they are yeah. cold open. Yes, a female, a female inspector. Yeah. A female inspector, uh, a woman of the law, she ends up dead from a slashing. Yes. And Gambit. It's heavily implied that someone we know might be involved. Yes. Yeah. And Gambit heads to England to check it out because this was a longtime friend of his. This was someone who he was romantically involved with before he ever joined the X-Men. And he spent a short period of time with her. And then they uh, they parted ways. She's dead, and he wants to know who killed her. So he... You know what I like about Gambit? What? I mean, he's no Matt, but he definitely... You know that whole, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take? He took a lot of shots, but he got a lot in. Oh, yeah. And he definitely seems to, like, honestly care about almost everybody he bones. No pun yeah. intended, since this is, like, a, a bony Wolverine story. Like, it's kind of sweet that he, like, cares that much. Still holds a candle for all of them kind of thing. So, of course, he wants to know who killed her. And 
the local law enforcement also want to know who killed her because she was not the first killing. There was four women before her, kind of like Jack the Ripper. But when he finally tracks down who the killer might be, he finds a very befuddled Wolverine. And he's like, Cajun, I don't know how I got here. You know, it's like, I, I can't remember. I don't know if I killed these women or not sort of thing. And so Gambit, because he's a good friend, takes Wolverine and they get away with the help of one Martinique who helps them get away. And Gambit's not convinced that Wolverine did the killing, but Wolverine is like, I don't know, I could have. I've been kind of feral because this is a post-pulling of the adamantium skeleton out of Wolverine in 1992, I believe, or 93. Magneto pulled all of the adamantium out of Wolverine, and so now he has bone claws and has become kind of feral, has been living outside the mansion, and he's not 100% sure... You know, if he could have killed these people or not. And just as when they're trying to start to figure it out, a new thing is revealed that uh, Martinique is actually the daughter of their former X-Men foe mastermind and has teamed up with one of the more fun psychos in the X-Men pantheon that, you know, gets a bad rap in my opinion. And that is Arcade. Arcade, of course, who just builds, as he puts it, murder world. He builds basically gigantic, like, city-like death traps to kill people in. That's his favorite thing to do. Later on in the X-Men books, he would then go to streaming that stuff online, showing heroes get killed and things like that in his elaborate traps online, and that he sells to a certain clientele on the dark web. But back then, he just did it for kicks. There was no audience. It was like, this is for me. To have somebody who's that detail-oriented just doing it for themselves, that's nice, you know? <laughs> I guess when you love what you do, it's not work. There's a lot of consent issues around his MO. Yes. Well, he is a killer after all. So. And also just the whole getting inside people's heads, literally, that he enjoys what a lot of us do, the taking your action figures and then doing weird stuff with them. But he actually does that with people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Oh my and God. we're all thinking about weird Barbies right now. So <laughs> we'll, we'll put a pin in that. <laughs> Some Barbies are weirder than others. Yeah. But it's yeah. after that reveal that it's like the book suddenly shifts from like solving the murders to then because it's kind of like, well, it's... This, it's obviously Arcade that masterminded these murders. Now let's move on to what Arcade does best and puts Wolverine and Gambit in make-believe scenarios to set it up so that they will kill each other thinking that it, they're each dealing with a different thing. So Wolverine thinks that he's living the perfect life with Mariko and Gambit is trying to continue to investigate the situation and this puts Gambit at Wolverine at a head, and it looks like they are going to duke it out and do some killing. But, of course, good guys prevail in this sense. They find a way out of it and face off with Arcade and the new Mastermind. And again, it's sort of thing. These were like, this was a four-issue miniseries. This is a similar complaint to I had last time. Four-issue miniseries, these were prestige format issues. So you got a lot of pages here. 
But I feel like they just ran through this story really quickly, don't you? I mean, I would say the first issue had the best pacing. Yeah. I think Probably. the second issue, second issue wasn't yeah. that bad, too, because we got the Gambit flashback that told his connection to the inspector. But, yeah, by the time we get to issue three and four, it's like, let's wrap it up quick, folks. Yeah, the end was super rushed, super rushed. Uh, but the first one where, again, we get our sort of like little hint about how things are going to end up because it does start off, again, with some danger room stuff. And, again, some weird role play where... We're like, is this like a, a gamble and rogue like sex thing? Oh no, he's just it's one of those times when she's dead, not around. I don't know, X Men. They like to regen, respawn, etc. I think For whatever well, reason. Well, okay, he, what happened was I know what was happening, because I remember yeah. back during I was reading the X Men comics at that time. Rogue was basically on um a journey to find herself. She had gone on the road, she took Iceman with her, and she was trying to figure herself out. She and was who doing doesn't a, love a road trip with your gay best friend? Who didn't know he was gay at the time. So all every woman in his life knew. Every yes, sure. Every yeah. woman in his life. But he, yes, he was very much like, I don't know, whatever. But yeah, at the time, they're traveling on the road and she's just not she's not sure of herself because of things that have happened. So Gambit is basically kind of missing her. And so put her in his danger room. I guess he was just honing up his skills on stealing things. He was like, so I want to keep, I haven't stole things in a long time. I'm going to put her in a danger room program just to practice stealing. (laughs) Yeah. And he makes sure to stop it before it gets too weird. So it's only the, the fighting foreplay stuff, none of the finishing. Yeah. So it's only slightly creepy. Well, that's what to me, it's like, can you have sex with a hard light object in the danger room? Is this like a whole holodeck thing where you, I mean, if you did, would you? Would it actually turn out later on? It was actually just danger who later takes physical form. That like oh. it's not hard light; it's like actual danger. I, sort of I like taking the, the form of. I like to think the danger didn't happen. That was kind of out of all the yeah the Whedon-y stuff. That was the one Whedon-y thing that I was like, oh, that's kind of hey, that felt kind of creepy. So oh, <laughs> <laughs> and now we know why. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's. A- it's uh anyway yeah. yeah the the first issue where we get sort of it starts off with danger room and then where the story ends up going like that's good stuff so i i agree that it, it probably should have been a six and not a four yeah but they definitely kind of did really good pacing in one i kind of i'm not gonna say it was okay but i get what you're saying and there are many panels i feel like in two especially where it's like too many words too many words (laughs) like because the art's beautiful but it's just packing so much in so yeah it's it's a bit tough i would say they do to their benefit use that perfect kind of tiny nose haunted eye like every person but especially the woman looks super haunted which i love Mm. that's my favorite thing but you know i love like obsessing about an artist's style of eye work and i feel like the apex of this art collaboration and the use of like a lady with like a good haunted dark smoky eye is like all of their catwoman stuff the murder wall is what i like the most (laughs) wow (laughs) i'm saying it i'm hearing it i'm still finishing the sentence because you don't have like every face doesn't look the same, but it does look like a, like a perfect kind of like victim profile situation, but you do have like a sort of sameness 
but a difference in like the shape of all of these like very haunted kind of eyes. Mm. Like these are eyes that are perfect to be staring at you from a murder wall. And that the woman that they meet later, her eyes are very different. She's got like a much more kind of femme fatale, active, like I'm not the kind of thing that gets hunted. I'm the kind of thing that hunts. Right. But this, some of the same conventions that you find, his faces are very kind of like feline, which again is probably why they do such a great job with Catwoman. It's a lot of triangle shapes that are coming to a point. So the biggest part where the eyes are sort of gets a stretch almost fully across like a fanning or a Culkin kind of child mm. where their eyes take up <laughs> like an almost preternatural amount of like the upper third of the face and then like tiny nose and like perfect little mats. Yeah. For me though, in that last half, it's like we get introduced to mastermind who mastermind really is. And that mastermind is teamed up with arcade, but then we get mastermind and arcade turning on each other. Just, it's like, bam, right at the end. It's like, a, it's like an ex machina in the sense that it's like, oh, Wolverine and Gambit don't really have to solve the problem. Like, yes, they do have to break out of there and everything, and they do confront them, but Mastermind takes out Arcade for them. Yeah. And because of that, it's to me, it was just sort of like, oh, you guys just seem like we had so much fun setting up everything. Now we're just doing this quick kind of like, and it's over sort of thing. I would have liked to have seen Mastermind and Arcade work together more. I would have liked a better reason on why Mastermind turns on Arcade. Because really, in the end, it was just because Arcade didn't tell her enough information on what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, but you guys could have like played with that more sort of thing. Again, probably they were commissioned for four issues. Jeff but it Loeb, should have been six. Yeah, because Jeff Loeb probably was writing all these great ideas, and then by the end of it went, oh, crap, we don't have enough time to wrap it all up. Okay, here's this, this, and this. Tim, draw it. And Tim does a great job of drawing it, like that last page of Arcade being trapped in his own mind with a bunch of masterminds around him. That was interesting. That was like, yeah. ooh, okay, that's very cool looking, but how we yeah, got and for, and for somebody who just engineered many lady murders to have him trapped with a bunch of women around him. Yeah, 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 it's great. It's just jumping from the mastermind and arcade working together to that just seemed like so like I think they do it in 10 pages. Yeah. Whereas like everything else gets like a good like, hey, here's 20 pages on this sort of thing. Here's Yeah, we even get to have a bit of like Gambit distrusting Wolverine and then like believe him. All of the X-Men should know. Every villain knows that Wolverine's brain is basically Swiss cheese. It's got more holes than the people he fights with. Yeah. So you got to give this guy a little slack and understand probably somebody taking advantage of Wolverine's uh, differences and it wasn't him. So let's just skip the part where you like investigate the bone fragments found in all the wounds and like, <laughs> let's just get to, okay, someone's probably setting you up. Let's figure this out. But they had to put that in there. There yeah. has to be a benefit of that because if he had it just said, oh, well, somebody's setting you up as a reader, you go, well, that's, he's got to at least question it at some point sort of thing. I mean, you, Wolverine even doubted himself. So you still yeah. could have had Wolverine thinking maybe it was me and, you know, Gambit reassuring him or which he does, but I don't know. I get why Wolverine sleeps outside. Too much watching your back in that house. I will say probably the most compelling part of the story for me was actually the flashback was Gambit and the young inspector becoming friends, working together and solving a case. I could have read a whole story on that because the characters had good chemistry the way they were written. Yeah. My favorite looking section was, I'd say, the beginning of the second issue where we meet 
the person that we'll find out later is mastermind because she looks great. Some of those panels are gorgeous. Oh yeah. Gorgeous. Well, I think, I think Tim sale draws like a full splash page of her. Yeah. And, and her look is very like black widow. Yeah. And there's just, there's also beautiful Wolverine stuff in there Two is where again, it's like one great kind of setup knowing that they only had four. I almost like, they gave, and I don't want to say they gave too much space to the visuals because two's gorgeous. Yeah. But if they'd had a little more of the story that they rushed through in the next two issues in two, but I don't know. You know what? No, don't do it. Two's almost perfect. Yeah. Like, just make it six issues, folks. That's what yeah. it should have been. Yeah. No, yeah. totally. This is Tim Sale, as I said, pre long Halloween. It's kind of like, veering away from the challengers look and more into what would become the batman look very a lot of narrow faces like the way he draws gambit his face is very hollow cadaverous it's um think tarkin in terms of like it's all bone no cheek yeah 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 which the long faces would become really big in his batman stuff because he draws batman with a long face as well the use of shadow is just done perfectly here. The negative space use in this book is so much fun. We get that throughout the entire series, and that's just, it's ominous. It's great. Mm-hmm. And we do have a, a beautiful ballet Russian squat moment with Gambit in the third where he's, we're getting air extension, and then we're getting, like, beautiful thigh. It's Nightwing-level, like, thigh business the ladies it's great it's great but here's the thing like tim of course draws the character correct to his outfit you know he's got the the big uh trench coat but i've never understood back from the original design what the fuck gambit is wearing his boots look like they're out of battlestar galactica Mm -hmm. and then he's got these black he's got this black and purple leotard that has a weird kind of like almost snake-like belt with a red top, uh, sorry, not red, more of like a purpley red. And then above that is like more black. I don't really understand the outfit. Like, I feel like whoever designed the outfit, I think it might have been Mark Silvestri, designed it and then went, oh, I should put a trench coat over this. It doesn't make sense. It almost, and I mean, this outfit existed before Miles Morales existed, but it's almost as if you took a Miles Morales, like bought a, a value village kind of Miles Morales, cut out the face and there's been some maybe you know color alteration over time so your reds are getting purpley kind of for whatever reason Mm. and then you know slap some boots on her and then a trench coat and and the hair is fabulous but the whole look it's really theatrical it's very theatrical tim yeah sale captures captures it perfectly but it's just, it was something while I was reading this. So I was like, yeah, Gambit's costume is odd. The color scheme, the logic of it. Like, why have a thing that, like a headpiece that doesn't cover your face, doesn't cover your hair, but covers your ears? Why are your ears covered? That's the thing that's always bothered me. I'm like, why is Gambit out cover his ears? Well, you can see his ears, but like, so they come out through. It's just, yeah. it's a weird look. The thing that makes the most sense, obviously, is a trench coat because you need places for multiple decks of cards. Yes. No, the trench yeah. coat is the thing that makes the most sense yeah. of his yeah. outfit. That's yeah. why I feel like when it was drawn, like when the characters originally designed, the the coat was added immediately after going, I don't know 
what we're doing with this outfit. So I'm just going to put a trench coat on it. Well, what I love about the modern day pocket advocacy that's happened in fashion, but especially women's fashion, even most workout pants now, you can buy ones that have like a full giant side pocket that you could fit a phone in. But the thing is, when you put something in there, you do get a huge bulge because you're wearing basically something skin tight, but it has a pocket built in. Mm. So again, the trench coat makes sense because otherwise he would just have like a series of kind of rectangular chunks down his side to hold all the different cards, decks of cards. So, and who knows, maybe he does, but it's under the trench coat. So it's hidden. There you go. Definitely. So he always has, let's say one on the go in his hands. And then he has, let's, I'd say probably one in each pocket inside pocket of the trench coat. But yeah, he may have like some giant like thigh pockets that he also has some backup decks in. What if he has a utility belt of just decks of cards? I feel like his utility belt would mostly have like condoms and cigarettes. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause it's probably a little spot for like yeah. a miniature vino bottle, something like yeah. that. A, a, a little flask, yeah, like a little yeah. like three shotter. Yeah. There you go, man. Now, of course, in this story, Gambit and Wolverine almost have to face off, but cooler heads prevail. They figure out they're in a simulation and they get out of it. If it was this Wolverine and this Gambit in this situation, who do you think walks out alive? Well, Wolverine, Wolverine's really fucked up here. Like more. That's so- what I was saying. He's, yeah. he's mentally compromised. We can never forget the region factor. If we're thinking boxing rounds, I do think that Gambit would get a couple rounds in. However, for Wolverine to get to kind of region level pain, it often kicks just in just a scotch of that old berserker. So. I think ultimately, like, match would go to Wolverine. It would be very messy finish. But I think, uh, like, if we're going just for technical points, I think that would probably go to Gambit. Okay, there you go. Yeah, I feel like Gambit could probably knock Wolverine out in this situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wolverine would be the only one that would have the killer instinct. And, of course, as you mentioned, the, the healing factor, even though at this time his healing factor was really muted down because of the amount his body had to do to come back from losing the entire adamantium skeleton. His healing factor was really slowed down at this point. Yeah, he still would be regenerating far too fast for Gambit to actually make any long-term damage. Yeah. Yeah. There you yeah. go. So that's, that's I, I don't our... think Gambit would want to kill him. He would want to try to disable him. Yeah. That's always the mistake that everyone makes fighting Wolverine. Like, yeah. you need to be trying to at least melt the flesh off his bones so that you could get away. Should have gone for the head, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, that's that's our tale of the tape here on uh, Wolverine and Gambit in the victim story. But yeah, overall, how do you feel like we talked we, we talked a little bit about Mastermind, the new Mastermind, who I don't think was used after this, maybe once or twice, but I don't remember her being used again after this, and Arcade. How do they stack up as the villains in this story? Because we have, as we talked about, we got first two issues are great setup. They're great setup, and the back two issues are what's dealing with the villains, whole cloth. Do we feel that the villains meet up to the heroes in this? Or do you feel like, oh, I knew that they were going to get out of this? I think because I have consumed so much more of their work on the DC side, specifically kind of Batman, Catwoman, this villain pairing just felt very like third-tier Batman villain. Right. So it'd be like it's a Mad Hatter sort of thing. Yeah. 
even their look like when you get the reveal which is like a beautiful panel where she's sort of like looming over his chair while he's there grinning maniacally and it's like it just it, it feels almost like a hodgepodge of like two to three batman villains mixed into him with like two to three kind of batman femme fatales mixed into her but with just like a little kind of you know, through a, a Marvel filter on it. So yeah. that, and so throw her in like a, a black widow outfit and give her similar hair, but make it brown. Yeah. But yeah. like everything else about her is just, it's like a little Ivy, a little cat woman, a little whatever, like her whole look. Mm. And, and arcade is like, you've got a grin. So it's like a little jokery, a little riddlery. I would say definitely I like the look of this book a lot more than the story. Right, right. Because that's the other thing also is that by making her mastermind, that saddles her as a legacy villain. And like mastermind, you know, it was created back in the 60s. Wasn't that great. Mastermind really has one great story. And that is when he pops up as Jason Wingrade in the Dark Phoenix saga. And then all of his appearances after that are kind of just like a pale regurgitation of that appearance during the Dark Phoenix saga. And so to be saddled with that, like I would have probably enjoyed more of a new villain than her being the legacy of Mastermind, which is kind of a hard legacy to sell because it's already kind of mid-level to begin with. Yeah. And if we'd had a, a little more time, as we've discussed, we could have done more of the fact that she does visually look like she could even be the next one on the murder wall. So we could True. have done the more kind of traditional femme fatale bait and switch where you think she's in peril, but really like she is the one scamming you. But th because they had to move so fast, we don't really get any time to really mm -hmm. like trust her and then feel betrayed. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, I think it's a fun read and it is kind of like during a time the mid 90s were kind of all over the place, especially in the, the X-Men editorial at the time. This, I feel, is like a fun little quiet X-Men story. Yeah, and I love these little road trip moments where they take, you know, a couple people away from the other child soldiers. And these two are always like great kind of quippy energy together because you have, you know, the grunts and gurs of a Wolverine with sort of chatty man about town of Gambit. <laughs> so it is a good pairing. Because you do need somebody to offset like their energy. If they stick to the classics, again, we have like, let's use some of Wolverine's tortured nightmares of like brief attempts at a happy life and some classic moments where it's just stab first, talk later kind of Wolverine. Mm -hmm. So a lot of grimacing and flexing of muscles and gnashing of teeth and gambit remembering getting it in so yeah it has everything you would love if you like these characters you like a like a road trip a buddy road trip it, and definitely wolverine will always be the i'm getting too old for this one in that you know buddy cop yeah. <laughs> dynamic <laughs> it's great it's a good time no totally and I, i'll say that if you're a fan of Loeb and sale this one is probably one of the lesser known ones that they've done so definitely check it out yeah, all right. Well, we've come to the end of another episode of Back Issue Bloodbath. Petula, tell the good folks where you can find them. At anatiff.com. On Hive, Instagram, Threads, TikTok, the other site, 
at obesacantavit, O-B-E-S-A-C-A-N-T-A-V-A-T, and here with you. Of course, you can find everything I do over at geekardshow.com. Follow me on the other site, at geekard. Follow this very show on Facebook, at Back Issue Bloodbath, where we post a new episode every week. Of course, the easiest way to make sure you don't miss an episode is to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. And while you're there, leave a five-star rating and review. And, uh, you know, tell your friends about us. You know, we're a small, fun little community. Like, I, we're, we're strong. You guys come back on a regular basis, and I appreciate that. But tell some friends, too. We want, we want more of you around. We want more people to know that we're sitting here talking comics and occasionally throwing out some blue humor. Mm-hmm. Right here. This is my back as your bloodbath. I've been Andrew Young. I've been Petunio. Have yourself a good.